Hi, this is Steve Thomas, pastor of the First Baptist Church at Delray Beach. Welcome to our podcast. We study God's Word to apply it to our lives in order to make a difference in this life and in eternity. We hope you enjoy this message. We cry out, we cry out. It does take everyone. It's it's kind of fun. I know the NFL is not a big deal, but, and they've, some players have said some silly things, but you know, yesterday was the draft. This week was the NFL draft, and it's always fun to see those guys who get drafted in the first round, and they're just amazed, and they're excited, and, and you, you hear them all analyze, why did they draft this guy? Why did they draft that guy? But teams come together because they need to fill spots, right? They need to get players to play roles on their team. They need to have this team uh, completed or they're not going to be able to compete. You know, it's that way in organizations as well, right? If you work for a company, you've got to have a certain number of people. Uh, I see Mike back there, and he knows as a firefighter, you've got to have a certain number of guys to man the trucks to go out there to save everyone and get cats out of trees and stuff like that, right? Y'all don't do that anymore, do you? You do? Okay, you do. All right. So if your cat gets in a tree, Mike's your guy. You call him. He'll take care of you. Um, but seriously, you have to have people in places, right? The military is a big example of that, right? You've got to have people in the right places. You can't just miss, you can't have gaps in your troops or you're going you're to be overrun. It's going to be a disaster. It's so important that we fill the gaps. And that's what we're talking about today in Nehemiah chapter 3. Nehemiah chapter 3. And uh, we're talking about the coming together of God's people to rebuild the walls. To rebuild the walls. And I know what you're thinking, why does this matter? I always thought that. Always wanted to know, who cares that they built a wall around Jerusalem? We don't live in Jerusalem. We don't build walls anymore unless you live in a gated community. Then it's very important. Amen. Um, and it, it is true, you know, it's frustrating if you live in a gated community and the gate doesn't work and it's wide open. Like, why do we have a gate? What's the point? Um, Nehemiah, though, as we talked about a little bit last week, he's setting the tone for the coming of Jesus. He's, he's preparing the people to recognize Jesus and the city of Jerusalem is this picture of God's people, right? Because at the center, there's the Temple Mound, and that's where worship takes place, right? But it's not just about the Temple Mound. It's about the city that's surrounded by this wall. And in those days, if the wall was breached or if the wall was knocked down, if the gates were burned, the city was an embarrassment. It was embarrassing to be, because why? Well, you're vulnerable to everybody. Anyone could come and take whatever they wanted at any time. You really weren't a city at all. You were kind of a spot on a map. People think, well, they're growing some vegetables. Let's go get them. You couldn't stop them. You're just wide open. And even more importantly than that, symbolically, symbolically, your people have no influence, they have no place at the table, and the God of the people is not revered. He's in derision. People make fun of him. Now, because if the God was real, the God was strong, why would he let his city lay in ruins? Why would he leave his city vulnerable? So that's the state that the people are in, and Nehemiah 
comes uh, back as God has led them, as God, his hand has been on him, and he's, he's got the king to allow him to come back and to provision him to help build these walls. And I, I love uh, verse 17 of chapter 2 of Nehemiah. It says, Nehemiah had come and he'd done his, you know, his investigation. He had, he had checked out the city walls. He wanted to make sure that it was as he has heard. It says in verse 17, it says, Then I said to them, meaning the, the city leaders and officials, said, you see the trouble we're in, how Jerusalem lies in ruins with its gates burned. Come, let us build the wall of Jerusalem that we may no longer suffer derision. See what state we're in. We're not able to be and do who we were called to be. Remember, these are the people of God and they're, they're supposed to have God's power with them to, to, to bless the entire world, to be a display of God's glory, of God's greatness. That's who they're supposed to be. They've got this kind of mandate from God. Instead, they're an embarrassment. Nehemiah comes and says, let's build the wall. Let's don't let our God and our people be made fun of. We're going to be the people that God called us to be. Let's do it. And at verse 18 says, And I told them the hand of God that had been on me for good, and also with the words of the king that spoken to me. And they said, Let us rise and build. So they strengthened their hands for the good work. And I love that phrase. I told them the hand of my God had been upon me for good. Have you ever felt the hand of God on you? For good. You ever felt God use you in a situation? Maybe you were able to bless someone. Maybe you were used by God to encourage someone. Maybe you were used by God to help someone do something they couldn't do for themselves. Maybe you were there to encourage someone who was suffering. The hand of God was on me for good. You see, in the Bible, the hand of God could be on you for good. It could also be on you for not so good. You used to talk about that you've heard him say that the, the, uh, God had visited his people, and sometimes he would visit them to punish them. Sodom and Gomorrah, you don't want God's hand on you in that way, right? We say, God shows up, I don't want to make sure God's doing this for good. He said, God's hand has been on me for good. Because remember, the people have been kind of hot and cold, kind of not real consistent at this point. They had started worship in the temple, but they really hadn't done much else. They built nice houses for themselves before they even built the temple. They really were kind of inconsistent. And so the question always is, if God shows up, is it a good thing? God shows up at your house today, is that going to be a good thing? Maybe you're worried about God showing up. Here's Nehemiah say, God's hand is on me for good, and it's going to be on you for good as well. And we're going to rebuild this wall. And the people say, let's do it. Let's rise up and build. Now notice, Nehemiah is not sent with a construction crew, right? He doesn't roll into town, you know, with a line of semis, with construction uh, equipment on it, with all kinds of crews and all kinds of workmen that says, hey, we've come to rebuild this wall and this city for you. He comes and says, you're going to rebuild it. You're going to rebuild. You see, Nehemiah's role was not to do all the work. Nehemiah's role was to place people on the wall. To give them the opportunity to not rob them of the joy of being what God wanted them to be. His role was to place them on the wall, to organize them and motivate them to complete 
the project. Well, who were these people? I always wonder, you know, did they just find some guys who were just laborers and they got all the worker guys together to do the work and and everyone else just kind of directed, you know, or drank iced tea and, you know, watched the game while everyone else worked? Is that how? No. Chapter 3 is a list of about 45 groups of people that helped build the wall. 45 different kinds of people. We're going to look at about six or eight of them just to kind of give us an idea of the different types of people that God uses to build a wall. And it's important to note, I've read this several times, and I don't think there's anyone in there that says, you know, this was Bill, and Bill was good at laying stone. It never says that. This was Tom. Tom was a bricklayer. This is Joe. Joe was a construction. Doesn't say any of that. Rather, it identifies them in some other way. Notice with me in verse in chapter three of verse one of Nehemiah, who God calls to build the wall. And as we're doing this, kind of see if you might fit into some of these categories. See which one you might fit. And remember, it takes everyone. Verse one. Then Eliashib. The high priest also rose up with his brothers, the priests, and they ordered everybody around. It's not what it says, is it? And they just sat around and looked holy. It's not what it says, is it? They rose up with the brothers and they built. They built the sheep gate. They consecrated and set its doors. They consecrated it as far as the Tower of the Hundred and as far as the Tower of Hananel. Notice this. These guys are priests. Their job is to connect the people to God, to represent the people to God, really. And what do they do? They get out and they build. And as they're building, they're also consecrating, also doing their thing. They're praying, right? And they're consecrating the work, and they're asking God to bless the work. But these guys are out there, and they're doing work. Because remember, it takes everyone. Now, here's just a little sideline. I'm going to say it takes everyone about eight more times. I'd like you to join me in that. So when I say remember, say, it takes everyone. Praise God, I think we're getting somewhere. That's awesome. So we had the priests, and then we had some people from out of town. How many of you were not born in Delray Beach? Raise your hand. You're elected. Praise God, because remember, it takes everyone. All right. And next to them, the men of Jericho built, and next to them, Zachar, the son of Emery, built. So some guys from out of town, I don't know if they'd moved or if they just were from Jericho. You know, maybe they had that Jericho accent like those Northeasterners do around here. I don't know. But they're Jericho people, and they didn't say, oh, guess what? We're, we're from another place. I'm so grateful that all of you are from another place, and you're here today. It's so interesting. I hope you don't mind if I go, hey, where the heck are you from? Because that's just really interesting to me. You know, that Bob and Evie are from upstate New York. It's so fascinating to me. You know, that some of you are from the islands, and some of you are from different places, and some of you are from, the, uh, from, the, from Asia. Uh, some of you are from Chicago, like the Kellers. I don't know what's the matter with you. Um, but uh, good to see you guys. Um, everyone is involved. People from Jericho, they built. And because remember, it takes... Everyone. A little slow on the pickups. Get a little better. Um, verse 5. And next to them, the Tekoites repaired, but their nobles would not stoop to serve the Lord. I've been around someone who thought they were kind of too good to do anything. 
Now, I haven't seen that here, I don't think, but I have in other places. And people think, you know what? I'm just really showing up, and I'm gracing you with my presence. You don't know anybody like that here, but you probably do from other places. You can picture it comes up in your mind. You know, it's kind of a church lady kind of thing. You know, the Tekoites, they didn't bother them. They're like, hey, listen, even though the upper class isn't doing anything, we're going to do our thing. We're going to participate, even though people that we know and respect refuse. We're going to let that stop us. We want to be involved. We, what do we want? We want God's good, God's hand to be on us for good. We don't want to miss out on that just because you guys got other stuff to do and you're going to your whatevers. Because um, remember, it takes everyone. I'm getting a little better. Verse 8, I love this verse. Next to them, uh, Uziel, the son of, I don't know, Hariah. I give up. Bob, can you help me back there? Um, goldsmiths. Goldsmiths repaired. Next to him, Hananiah, one of the perfumers repaired, and they restored Jerusalem as far as the Broadwell. Goldsmiths. Now, if anybody should be getting out of doing any work other than working with gold, it's the people that work with gold. What do they know about building a wall? They can make a watch, a chain, whatever, make a beautiful thing, but goldsmiths, they work with the most precious thing there is, and also perfumers. People who make perfume, remember how much that perfume cost? that Mary anointed Jesus' feet with? Like thirty dollars to $50,000. Remember that story? That's for these guys. I mean, I'm thinking, I got, I got perfume, and you want me to work with my hands? Yeah, we got a job for you. We got a wall for you. We got a section for you. But I, don't you think that section smelled especially nice? <laughs> don't you think? I mean, it really probably was pretty, hey, man, I want to work over there by the perfumers. I want to work over there by the cowboys. You know, they're working with, you know what, so. Anyway, goldsmiths and perfumers. Some of you are goldsmiths. Some of you are perfumers. You've got other skills, but God calls you to work on his wall. God calls you to work on his wall. I love verse 12. Next to him, Shalom, the son of Halohesh, the ruler of half this district of Jerusalem, repaired he and his daughters. I think it's pretty cool because in that day, you really were thinking of men doing work, right? On our day, women are really able to do a lot of things and give them the opportunity and even expected to. But here's a guy which really probably didn't have any sons, is why it says this. And he could have easily said, you know, my family situation is such that I really can't do anything. He shows up with his girls and they build the wall. You may feel like, you know what, I don't know what use I can be. I don't, listen. God can use you. He's got a place for you in the wall because remember, it takes everyone. And then there's the people who maybe they just couldn't get out of their house very good. They maybe had an elderly parent they had to take care of. Maybe they really couldn't travel much. In verse 23, after that, Benjamin and Hashub repaired opposite their house. So right across from their house, they couldn't really travel. Maybe they, they didn't have... Maybe the car broke down, maybe the mass transit was, I don't know. But they repaired by their house. They did what they could right by their own house. And after, the, and after them, Azariah, the son of uh, Masai, son of Hananiah, repaired beside his own house. He did what he could in his own house. There's a lot you can do in your own house. There's a lot you can do in your own neighborhood, isn't there? People next door, people come fix your broken whatever, everything's breaking in our house these days. Um, people who just are around, they worked in their own house. 
and some have more than one role. Verse 27 says, after them, the Tekoites show up again. They repaired another section opposite the great projecting tower as far as the wall of Ophel. The Tekoites did more than one thing. And so many of you do that. I'm looking at a lot of you who have more than one role. So grateful for that. Like, I can do this and I can do that. Um, They didn't stop and say, well, I've done my thing. I'll see you later. Look for other things they could do as well and help in another area. And sometimes groups needed help. Wait a minute. Remember, it takes everyone. You need a little louder. And some groups work together in between the upper chamber and the corner, this is verse 32, and the sheep gate, the goldsmiths, there they are again, and the merchants repaired. So it wasn't that maybe one group, maybe the merchants were just all thumbs. I don't know. Maybe they didn't have any skill. Maybe they were all my age, and they just really needed some help. So those goldsmiths, there they are again. They're showing up saying, I want to help. I want to help this happen. Some groups worked together. Everyone had a role. That's the point. Everyone had a role. No one had every role. Sometimes we worry, well, if I, if I get involved, maybe I'll be wind up doing so many things. Listen, we got a role for you, but it won't be everything. It won't be everything. It'll be something. And you may say, well, I, I don't know if I have time. I'm, I'm busy making perfume and doing gold statues. Do you want God's hand to be on you for good? Do you want God's hand to be on you for good? See, with the coming of Jesus, God's people move from being called a city to being called the church. The metaphor shifts. The Old Testament, it's all about what? The city of Jerusalem, the way to display God's glory is this incredible city with these walls and this incredible temple in the middle. But then Jesus kind of blows that up and he becomes the temple and his people become the temple and his church becomes his body. Right? Now the church displays the glory of God. Now the church has to have all of its pieces fit together in order to be what God calls it to be. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 14 through 20. I think this is just really funny. I think there's no humor in the Bible. There's plenty. This, to me, is one of my favorite funny passages, so feel free to laugh. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. See, if you're a part of this church, if you've received the gift of salvation through Jesus Christ, you need to be a part of the body. You become a part of this body. We have a a members new membership class that we do. It starts next week, and... We take you through what it means to be a part, a member of the body. But if you're a member of the body, you have a role. Even if you say, because I can't do this, I'm not a part of the body, it doesn't make you any less a part of the body. Continuing, uh, verse 17, And if the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? I think that's so funny. I got all these eyes, but I can't hear anything. Where would be the music? Where would be the voice of your loved one? Where would be the announcer calling the baseball game? You know, it would be terrible. 
Um, and if the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? Where would be the aroma of fresh fried bacon and cinnamon rolls? Where would that be? I know you all need ready to go have some brunch. Um, as it is, and I love this, and I, I, I want you to take this very seriously. God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. God has given you a place in his body. You might be an ear, you might be an eye, you might be a foot, you might be a leg, you might be a mouth. God has arranged it. That's a holy thing. It's not random. Let me just tell you, if you're here, you're part of this body, it's not a random thing. I agree with Henry Blackaby used to say every time anybody shows up to be a part of his church, he believed God was going to do something through that person. Do you believe that? I believe God wants to do something through each of you. Verse 19, if all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet there's one body. There's one body. See, the church is a body, the body of Christ, and for a body to function, it has to have all its members working together. You ever had a member be kind of messed up? Maybe hurt your back? Jim, you just had hip surgery. Maybe you had eye surgery. Maybe you had cataracts. You know what that feels like? And you realize, man, I wish I could see. Maybe you had COVID and you couldn't taste. That was the worst. Jesus tastes like styrofoam. It was terrible. You start realizing, I really miss being able to taste things. And that's a silly example. It's tough when your body doesn't work like you want it to work. It's not able to do what it's called to do. It can't fulfill its purpose. It has to have all its members working together. You know, so many times people will say, you know what, they'll talk about their church. They ask me, hey, oh yeah, I go to church. And, and man, let me tell you, the worship, it's great. Music moves me. It's relevant. Uh, reminds me maybe of, of growing up or, or what God did in the past. And it's great. The pastor, you know, he, he gives these messages that are really helpful to me and help me know how to live my life. And, and I really go away feeling great. I don't want to say, okay, well, what's your role? Well, that is my role, showing up. See, if we as a church don't help you find your place, we're like a head without a body. We're missing helping you be what God wants you to be, what he's calling you to be, what this church needs for you to be. Billy Graham was amazing, amazing evangelist, and he preached to more people alive than I think anyone in the history of the world, probably more than anyone ever will, quite honestly. Billy Graham did something interesting. Every time he did a crusade, what did he say? If this crusade meant something to you, maybe if you accepted Christ today, you need to go to your local church. And he always had lists of local churches, and you could always get them. I've been to a couple of crusades, and I know what it's like. See, Billy Graham would say it's not about this crusade. This is just the beginning. This is just the open door. The, the whole life of following Jesus is being a part of his church, taking your place in the body. See, the church is not just a crusade. It's a body. It's functioning always. See, the world needs to see God's church. Each person 
playing their role. Each person worshiping, being a part of the life group, serving, reaching out into our community, loving our neighbors, building meaningful relationships with people outside of our gates. Because remember, it takes everyone. It takes everyone. It takes you. I urge you, would you take your place on the wall? You don't have to do everything. You just have to do what God assigns you for us to have a wall that's going to be effective, for us to have a body that's going to be effective. And some of you might be saying, well, Steve, that sounds good, but I, I still don't know where I am with Jesus, honestly. Heard about him? Know something about him? Maybe even prayed to him, but I don't know if I've ever actually received that gift of salvation. Is that a question in your mind today? See, Jesus came. He died to pay the price for my sin. To cleanse me and to put me in his body to work through me. That's what he has done. I urge you today, today, if you're not sure, it's as simple as saying, Jesus, I, I repent of my sin. I, I know I'm a sinner and I can never earn your love. But you, Jesus, paid the price for me to be right with you. I want to receive your life. I want to receive your forgiveness. I want you to live through me to be a part of your body. If that's you today, I would love to talk to you. I'll be, I'll be out just outside the double doors after the service. But if you're a follower of Jesus... You're part of this church. Would you take your place on the wall? If you have a role, I want you to know we're about to, we're about to roll out a new way to make sure that people are in the right role. It's called the growth track. It involves some personality assessments. I failed mine. No, I didn't. You can't really fail them. Um, a gift analysis and also an interest analysis. And help, we're going to help people find where they fit and where God wants to use them. If you haven't, if you don't have any role in our church, I would love to hear from you. You can email me at steve.fbcdelray.com, or better yet, I'll be right outside. I'd love to chat with you, love to hear what God has placed in your heart, love to help you find where you fit. For many of you today, you'd say, yeah, I have a role. I want to encourage you. Thank you so much. Because you serve, and so many of you serve with a smiling face and, and, a, and a way to uh, so much encouraging people, making them have the sense of the love of Jesus as you serve. That's what this is all about. Thank you for that. We want to encourage that, and we want to continue that. This is the body of Christ. Coming to church and being a part of a church is not about just showing up. It's about taking your role. I'd love to chat with you, or you can email me at, at steve at fbc.ray. Dot com. I want us to spend just a moment processing this before the Lord. Would you bow with me? Thanks for joining us today. If you'd like to support this ministry, go to our website at fbcdelray.com. Also, click the share button so you can share this message with a friend or someone in need as we seek to know Jesus, to know others, and to make him known. We cry out, we cry out.